right? Compassion is a big uh, topic, brothers and sisters. And uh, we started out, as I said, about uh, two weeks ago, we've had two lessons uh, in this series talking about biblical compassion. And uh, it has been good. It has been a wonderful lesson. I know that I have been blessed by it. I hope that you have been blessed by it as well. Um, and we've been dealing with this concept of, of, of compassion and, and caring and really talking about the danger you know, that really kind of ensues when the church stops caring. For our scripture, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6, and the word of God reads as follows. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. Amen. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen. May God always have blessings and and um, to those that hear and do his word, especially those that do his word. There's, there's, there, you know, there is a blessing for hearing it. Amen. There is a blessing for hearing it. But remember, I think we've said this before, we'll say it again. God does not um, actually uh, validate or accept your and my, um, our hearing of his word if it's devoid of obedience, you can't, there, there's no such thing as, um, as listening or hearing, hearing God's word without obedience. Okay. When we talk, whenever we're talking about hearing God's word without obedience, then what you are actually talking about is mankind's version. Okay. You're talking about tradition and religious tradition, man's version of hearing God. Man's version of hearing God goes really no further than something that is spoke audibly coming through your audio receptors. So coming through your ears. Okay. That to the world is hearing. If I've heard, if, if you, you've, you've, you've um, output a sound and I've taken that sound in, I've heard it, but it doesn't work that way in God's kingdom family remember God's ways they are not our ways his thoughts they're not our thoughts they're all the way different okay they're all the way different hearing for God hearing to God is always equated with obedience to the word of God so we won't acknowledge it if you if you don't do that okay we've um we've had two lessons so far um and we talked about uh, a number um of things amen um regarding um, this uh, topic of compassion. Last week, we dove into uh, the concept of, uh, of murder, okay, as far as God is looking at it, because when God looks at murder, he looks at it in two ways. There, you know, there's more than, you know, murder, the act of murder can be committed um, in more than just the traditional sense, okay? So, and, 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 and the word of God teaches that very plainly. We learned last week, Amen. Okay. That a man or a woman's love for God. Okay. If that love is devoid of love for their fellow mankind. Okay.
Okay. So you're not just you loving your, your brother or your sister or people who are easy to love and those things, you know, there are some people that they make it easy to love them. And so we gravitate to that. It's easy to love, you know, when, you know, um, especially it's a, uh, maybe it's a newborn child, you're a baby. It's easy to love a baby, easy to love a baby. Not for all. There's some people who got some, some things mixed, mixed up and twisted up, but in general, it's easy to love that, but wait till that child get older and starts to do this and that, or maybe you're dealing with an adult and who should be uh, fully aware of what he or she is doing. Love for that person <laughs> gets a little bit tricky, gets a little bit more difficult, gets a little, requires more of a conscious component, conscience component to it. Okay. We have to be conscious of, um, of loving a person. In other words, we have to let, literally choose to love when you when 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 somebody's doing your right or or is innocent and sweet and looking and all this other kind of stuff it uh, it's easy to pour out love or to shower that that object of affection with with love but when that same object of affection begins to try your patience and if you're listening to this no matter where you are in the world you have no doubt have had experience with people who have tried your patience in one way or another, and you found it difficult to love that person. I know, I know that's the way it is, and you're not alone in that. Nevertheless, you are commanded to love. You still have to love. What does that mean? That means that no matter how hard it is, and, that's a, and that can be tough, you got to get past the roadblocks and you got to operate in the spirit of love because it honors your heavenly father and you are required by him to do so if you need more of any of an incentive to operate in love then then um then how about the greatest incentive of it all you can't get to heaven with hatred and bitterness in your heart so it behooves you behooves me that no matter what someone has done allow god to work a work in your heart when people have done you wrong and disappointed you the most, because it will happen. It will happen. But if you're going to make it, you got to get past that. You got you to gotta grow past it. You hear what I'm saying? It's not going past things. It's growing past things. You got to grow past folks' ability to, to hurt you and leave you in a lurch and leave you in such a way that you just don't want to move forward or you begin to entertain doing the very things that would displease God. Why? Because they're convenient in the moment. Well, they might be convenient in the moment, but don't trade temporary sin and the satisfaction that it, that it seemingly projects for eternity. Don't, don't do that. See, there's a lot of people because of there's so many erroneous doctrines out there, especially doctrines along the lines of once saved, always saved. That's utter ridiculous and nonsense. That's not even in the almost in the scripture and things like that. But because of that, there have been so many people that have erred on the side of revenge, walking in unrighteousness, getting even, hurting those who hurt them wanting to get back. There's been so many people that have been deceived by the devil and walked into that 
some who will listen to this in different parts of the world at different times, you're dealing with that right now. People who have done you wrong and, and the, 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 your foremost knee-jerk thought is to get even, you know, to, just to, to square it up. But the word, the Lord said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. That scripture didn't say you was going to repay nobody. It said he was going to repay. So it behooves us to let God take away the bitterness and the frustration. Yep, the person did you wrong. Okay, let's get that out the way. They did it. They dropped the ball. Okay, and you know what? You came up short. So it's seen. But let patience have her perfect work because you haven't seen the best of what God can do yet. You haven't seen what God is doing. Sometimes things happen and it seems negative, but you have no idea what's on the other side. Paul had to encourage Timothy, and not just Timothy, but the church in general through his letters when Paul was in prison. Why? Paul's mighty for the Lord. He's mighty child of God and, and operating in, in such authority. And now here he is arrested. And because of Paul, there were many people that were bold and, and, and found their footing. Many people found their spiritual way and on fire. But imagine the blow that ensued the day Paul got arrested. Not, the, not when he was doing the arrest, but not before he, he was converted. But I'm talking about after he didn't put some time in and began and walked away. But imagine the day when they came to arrest him. And all of those who were bold and on fire at first began to watch as Paul began to be arrested. Paul had to send, had to send a letter and let people know, hold on. The things that happened to me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel. And he went on to declare that because of his bonds, because of his chains, yeah, he was in prison and it seemed like a, like a no good, dirty situation, but he had to explain it to the church that God was at work because now, though he was in prison, he had access to people that he normally would not have had access to and could share the gospel with those that he normally would not have access to. Sometimes your hurt, sometimes your disappointment, sometimes your today is a predecessor, is a stepping stone, is a building block for your tomorrow. Sometimes we want tomorrow right now. No, you got to deal, you got to stand in it. You got to stand in there and you got to fight for today. You got to stay holy today. The Holy Ghost, they help you. That's why you get the Holy Ghost. You got to stay in it. And I know you want deliverance today. Some of you have been dealing with some things and man, it has just been, it's been a time, hasn't it? It's been, I mean, it's been one thing right after another. It's been, uh, for all intents and purposes, the perfect storm. Oh, but I know a storm chaser. Not one in the sense of the world, but I'm talking about somebody who can chase all of the dark clouds and all of the winds and all of the rains. I'm talking about somebody who can say, peace, be still. I hope you know him today because his name is Jesus and he is God almighty. 
and he's still in it with you. Nevertheless, family, and I believe that somebody, that somebody needed to hear that this morning. Somebody needed to hear that. Nevertheless, we're talking about compassion. And the last thing we spoke about last week, one of the last things we talked about was the concept of, of murder. And we learned that it's different, um, that God sees it, um, the concept or the um, or the definition expands beyond just the taking of physical life. No, it goes beyond all of that. So we learn that God, not we learn, we, we, we learn that, amen. Um, we looked at 1 John 3, 15. We looked at Galatians 5, 21. And we looked at 1 Peter uh, 4 and 15, and especially that First uh, Peter four uh, verses four verse fifteen, um, because in that particular one, in the other ones, we we get things described. We find out. We understand. You know, um, God makes it very plain. Okay, but you can't go around hating your brother and all this other kind of stuff. Whosoever hath hated his brother is a murderer. That's very plain. That's First John three fifteen. Okay, that's not even hidden. That's not even don't don't you know ain't no need to try to go so far and to try to look that up for the point per, for the purpose of making it be what it ain't. It is exactly what it is. It is exactly what it is. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. Now you need to understand something about that. God don't care if that don't jive with you. Doesn't care if 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 that's not your your uh whatever country you live in. If that's not there, that's not the 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 definition of it in your country. No. Is I told you, God's definition is expanded. It's an expanded version. It's not just the, the taking of physical life, okay? And you got to understand, in God's kingdom, it carries the same punishment. It ain't no two, there, there, there are no two different versions of murder to God. No, 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 no. Murder is murder. The same God that said, thou shalt not murder, or thou shalt not kill is the same one that is talking and has told you in first John three 15, whosoever hated his brother is a murderer. God was talking through that apostle. He wasn't talking about a different murder. He was talking about the same murder, carry the same punishment. Amen. And you know that no murder hath eternal life abiding in him. And we went through all that and we explained all of that. So go back and look at the, listen to the set, to the second lesson in this series. Um, if you need all of that, it goes into great detail about that. And we said that because of this, all right, we got to be careful. Why? Because if we die in a state, okay, of hatred, or we die in a state, that that way, hatred towards our brother, or and and and, it, and remember, we said that that hate, we 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 look, we got into that, and that hate don't just mean what you think it means, amen. No, 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 no. That that definition of hate is expanded. Okay, that definition in of of hate that is referenced. Okay, in First John three and fifteen. It's not just hate in the sense of what you think it is. It literally also covers to strong to dislike intensely. It 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 is it's to it's when to have a if you have a aversion, a strong aversion towards somebody, okay. It covers it covers 
the 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 when you decrease that person's value and status in your eyes. It covers when you decide that you're gonna become hostile with a person. It's it, it covers when you begin to despise and grow tired of a person. See now, when you understand the under, the definition of hate and the depth of hate. Then you begin to understand how dangerous it is to walk in that. Why? Because you might not have been walking in the state of hatred where you know where where I'm just where you know I just I I I I I I really 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 just cannot stand that person. Uh uh. That hate covers all of the spectrum. All of the things that can lead up into more intense versions of hate. There are many things that fall under the category. All of them are not as intense as the other, but all of them will condemn your soul. So you need to understand that. That's why. Don't play the hate game. We said that last week. Don't play that. Don't refuse. Don't bite the devil's hook. Many of you have you run in a you run in a problem because some people occupy places in your life that they shouldn't have had in the first place. In other words, you're giving them a platform or a pedestal, and as soon as they drop the ball from such a lofty place that you put them in, there's you you they, there's no way for them to recover in your eyes, and so sometimes. The, the, the hurt of, of the way they fall in your eyes or from the platform that you put them there, the platform that you put them on, you don't leave yourself any recourse other than to feel an intense aversion for that person. All the flavors of hatred for that person. Because they who are human, just like you, fell from a platform that you put them on. No, you got to, you listen, only God is worthy to be worshipped. You need to take people off of platforms. Take your pastor off, your, off the platform you put him on. Take the ministers that you, off the platform you put them on. Take your brother and your sister, the deacon and this and that. You need to take them off the platform that you put them on. Take your husband off the platform. Take your wife off the platform. Take your children off the platform, especially that golden child. You know, the one that didn't give you no problems and can't and have and, and up until now have not done anything wrong. Take them off the platform. Make room for them to be human. To make mistakes. Because when they do. It'll make it easier for you to recover, to get to the place where you need to be. Amen. Amen. That's just good advice. And we need to make sure that we understand that. Now, we said that the church is commanded to operate in love. We said this. Okay. And we saw that in 1 John uh, 3, 23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ. And what? Love one another as he gave us commandment. That's a rule. That's a rule. He said that's a commandment. 
be careful of who you hang around and who you allow to be in your ear teaching you the word of God. You better make sure, you better check them against the word. There are so many people that are quick to say that we ain't under the law. We ain't this. We don't do nothing. All this that we all under grace. Yes, we are. But you know what happened while we got under grace? He gave us new laws. He fulfilled all the other ones and then gave you some more. Be careful about those folks that will try to tell you, you know what, to, that would smooth things over, making you think that you can do certain things. Why? Because that was under the Old Testament. Hold on. You better watch out. You better watch out. God didn't throw away nothing. He fulfilled it for the requirements and the, and the purpose of salvation to make it available for us. But then he gave us the Holy Ghost. Why? So that when we operate in the Holy Ghost, though we are not under the law in order to gain salvation, we are now free to keep the law or operate in the truth of the law. What is the truth of the law? The truth of the law is that the law taught, taught you and me how to get along with God and how to deal with each other. That's what the law was for. Yes, that's what it was for. God didn't rescind that. No, he fulfilled that. And then gave you the power to walk in it without fear of condemnation of dropping the ball. That's why you got the Holy Ghost. Now, as you walk in grace, now, as you walk in the newness of life, now, as you work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, you're going to stumble along the way. You're going to get some things wrong. But now, because Jesus paid it all, guess what he gave you the ability to do? He gave you the ability to get back up and keep going. One, It wasn't no longer a thing of dropping it in one instance that it was going to condemn you to hell. He took care of all that. He abolished all that. But he didn't throw the truth of the law away. No, he didn't. No, the book of Timothy tells us very plainly, wherefore we know the law is good if it be used lawfully. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. No, God taught you how to operate it. Then what did he do? He gave you some new laws. But Brother Walker, I thought that was gone. You thought wrong. He gave you new laws. First John 3.23, and this is his commandment. That's a law. That we should believe on the name of Jesus Christ. That means believing the name of Jesus is a law. He gave you a new law. And this scripture here gives you two of them. That you should believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That's one law. And love one another as he gave us command. Two laws right there. Yeah, God didn't. He didn't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Obey that word. Be careful. Be careful. You got to do what that word says do. Now, he done all the heavy lifting and he's given you the Holy Ghost so that you can do your lifting because he's not going to do it all for you. You got a part to play. I have a part to play. Obey the spirit. 
Word of God teaches if you know if we walk in the spirit, you won't obey the lust of the flesh. You'll overcome those things. Are you struggling with something today? Having difficulty? Walk in the spirit. Walk in the spirit is something that people have made way too complicated. So let me bottom line it for you. Let's, let's make it very plain. Walk in the spirit simply just means do the word. That's what it means. It simply means do what the word says. It's not this, this super metaphysical and supernatural thing where you sitting and you floating and meditating. And uh, that's trash. Get that out of here. God don't want any of that. God wants you to simply obey what you read. Do it. Do it. Amen. 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 So love is a commandment. And we said that love really is the ID card that all believers, we are to be in possession of that card and carry it on our person at all time. Amen. And we looked at uh, the gospel of John 13 and 34 and 35, a new commandment I give unto you. There we go. Commandment. Here we go again. That ye love one another as I have loved you. So he reiterated that same other command. Amen. That ye also love one another by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. What? If you have love one to another, God wants you to do that. God prefers we think about others before we think about ourselves. Philippians 2.14, look not every man on his own thing, but every man also on the things of others. The church got that bad. We got a problem with that. I don't, I honestly, I don't think we are, we, <laughs> the church has never been more selfish and self-centered than it is to, than it is in this day and this age. No, that don't mean we throw the church out. No, it just means we got some work to do. We got to get where God want us to be. Nevertheless, it is still a shame that we are so caught up on ourselves. And the worst part is, is that we so blind to it that we caught up on ourselves and we got the audacity to do that in the name of the Lord. Just as wicked as anything you can imagine. Going to church and going through the motions and clapping our hands, but, and, and talking about, we love God and this, that, and the other. And, but our brothers and sisters go hurting. Our widows, our orphans, and those that are in need go lacking. But we can't wait to get to the next service. We can't wait to, to do the jumping and shouting and all that other kind of stuff. Because we made that church. That ain't church. And that ain't never been church. No, 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 no. No. We can't wait for the choir to sing. We can't wait for the preacher to preach and this, that, and the other. But we can sure wait and take our time on doing that work to help our brothers and sisters. That's, listen, I hope you're hearing. There are so many reasons that this world and the enemy will give us to justify us doing things the way that we want to do them. 
but they will, those reasons will never be justified in God's eyes. Turning a blind eye and all those things. No, 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 no. Real compassion should be a manifestation of genuine love and selfishness and being self-centered. Well, it is not. It is not a manifestation of genuine love. Now, when we start talking about compassion and we start talking about these different things, you can't really have a conversation about compassion without exploring um, some of the, um, I don't want to really call them derivatives, but but, they're, um, but they are, um, there are things that, that, that go, they operate in the same ballpark okay, as compassion, but they are not the same thing. So in the ballpark or the arena of compassion, okay, and keeping in mind, as the church, we're commanded to love, okay, our brothers and sisters, okay, so we are commanded to have that compassion, that compassion flows right into it. But within the arena of compassion are also the words um, or also the uh, concepts of sympathy and empathy. So when you start talking about compassion, it is important that there a distinction be made between sympathy, empathy, and compassion, because a lot of people don't really know what those are, and they don't know that they are actually fundamentally different, because they are used interchangeably often, and they can even seem to um, be um, one that you can use one uh, uh, in place of the, the other at any given time, but there are certain, but there are actually nuances to sympathy, empathy, and compassion that you and I need to understand, okay? Let's talk about, um, compassion is the desired state. That's the end state. That's the one that God wants us to operate. So before we jump into that, let's deal with the predecessors. Let's deal with the, um, with, let's do some pre-work. So let's start with empathy and we'll do compassion last, all right? Sim let's, well, let's start with sympathy, okay? Sympathy refers to the feeling of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune or pain, okay? Now watch this. This is the nuance to it. It refers to the feeling of pity. When you feel pity or you feel sorry for someone else's misfortune, something happened to them, you feel bad for them, okay? But you do so without understanding how they feel or what they are going through. So sympathy is when you feel sorry and you feel bad for somebody, but you don't necessarily, but you don't understand how they feel. You just feel bad. Oh, that's a terrible situation that that happened. Oh, I feel bad. But you got no idea. Okay. Of what they went through or what they're going through. You just simply feel pity or you feel sorry. Oh, I feel, I'm sorry. You know, I, 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 I'm sorry that your house burned down. I feel, I feel bad that that happened. Okay. I feel bad that something negative happened or something not so good happened, but I don't understand how they feel or what they're going through, okay? That's sympathy. When you sympathize with somebody, you feel sorry for what, that something bad happened to them. You feel pity for, for them, but you don't understand what they're going through, okay? Empathy, on the other hand, a little bit different. Empathy refers to the ability to relate to another person's pain vicariously now we talk about vicariously that means that almost as a pro that means that as a proxy or, or or um it's not um i'm not the one but i can put myself in that person's shoes so 
empathy refers to the ability to relate to another person's um, pain vicariously as if one has experienced the pain. Now, sympathy, let me back up again, bit. sympathy is in play when you feel bad for someone who's hurting for a reason you don't understand. Okay, that's when sympathy is in play. But now that we have the definition of empathy, empathy refers to the ability to relate to another person's pain vicariously. In other words, through somebody else's shoes or through, or, you know, I can, I can identify with it as if one has experienced that pain themselves. Then that means that empathy, in essence, is in play or comes into play when you feel bad for someone who's hurting for a reason you do understand. Why? Because you have put yourself in their shoes. Even if it's never happened to you, doesn't require that empathy doesn't require that the thing has happened to you. Empathy simply requires you to put, you be able to put yourself in the other person's shoe. So I feel bad. I feel the feelings of sympathy, but I don't feel them just because I don't feel them without understanding what they're going through. I now feel them with an understanding of what they're going through. Why? Because I put myself in their shoes. But sympathy and empathy are both related to how you feel. They don't go any further than that. Compassion, on the other hand, refers to both an understanding of another's pain and the desire to somehow mitigate the pain. I see the situation, but I want, and I understand the situation, but I also want to help the situation. In essence, compassion is, comes into play when you're feeling bad for someone who's hurting for a reason you may or may not understand. Compassion comes into play when your sympathy or your empathy motivates you. It takes another step. When your sympathy and your empathy motivates you to want to do something to help. We want to help instead of hurting or hindering that person or that situation further. We want to do something to help versus not wanting to do anything at all. And that's the difference. Those are, that's the difference. In essence, you could probably say that compassion is sympathy and empathy with legs. It does the work. It's the next step. It goes the extra mile. Compassion takes in sympathy, takes in empathy, but then it does something with it. Amen. Second Corinthians four, look at three through six again. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. 
For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost. Compassion is not optional, it's mandatory. Remember, we're commanded to love, 1 John. Amen. Amen. And true compassion is birthed out of love. It's a, it is a derivative. It, 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 it comes about. True compassion comes about because of love. There's knockoff compassion. But we're talking about true compassion. 1 John 3.23. And this is his commandment. That we should believe on the name of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. What was he referring to? He was referring to St. John 13, 34, a new commandment I give unto you that ye what? Love one another as I have loved you. That ye also love one another. True compassion we cannot afford as a church body, as the body of Christ, to be devoid of this. Especially when it is a commandment for us to operate in love. Because that true compassion or God-authorized compassion is birthed out of love. True compassion. requires that we understand a few things. Because if we're going to operate in it, if we're going to get off of the sideline while we are watching this world, our brothers and sisters go down the drain, if we are going to become the hands and feet and arms of our Lord, if we're going to operate in those things, we can no longer be ignorant of what is actually required of us when it comes to compassion. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. True compassion. Verse 9, you're looking at the compassion, you're looking at love in motion because that's really what you, real compassion is love in motion. That's it. Lo that's love doing what it do. That is love loving. That's what it is. That is what it is. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, you are looking square in the face at the compassion of our Lord and God.
you're looking at it right there. That's what it, and in a nutshell, overarching nutshell, that's what you're looking at in verse nine. If we take verse nine apart and we break and we look at this, take it in pieces so that we can better understand it. Then we actually come away with a few things from here. Love or true compassion requires sacrifice. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Sacrifice. Did not the scripture say he was rich? But what did he do? Did he stay in his richness? No, that's not what he did. What did he do? He sacrificed it. How did he do it? He became poor. True compassion. If the church is going to operate with true compassion the way God wants us to, you, we're not going to be able to do that without sacrifice. If I'm not willing to set aside myself for the greater good of someone else, let's just get to it. <laughs> I, I, th there's no way that I... <laughs> If I'm unwilling to set aside myself, then I will only be able at most, you will only be able at most to sympathize or empathize with a person who is in need or in trouble. You're not going, you're, you're not, you're not going beyond sympathy and empathy. Not for true compassion. If you if 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 I'm if you're not willing to set yourself aside. If you're not willing to momentarily be discomfort, discomforted, if you're if if or inconvenienced, if you're unwilling to 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 push to, to push away from things, give of your time and and your energy and all of these. Listen, if you're not if you're unwilling to set aside yourself, if I'm unwilling to set aside myself for the greater good of someone else, I will never be able to operate in true compassion the way the Lord requires me to do so. You will never be able to do it in the way the Lord requires you to do so. And that literally plainly means that you and I will never be able to progress to the state of God acceptable compassion. We're not talking about the compassion where you really don't want to do something for somebody begrudgingly, but you go forward and do it. You're not, listen, you're not, <laughs> just because somebody twisted your arm or you felt bad and guilty about that that's not true compassion. That's not it. So it don't matter that you went on ahead and did it anyway. Thank you. Congratulations for that. But guess what? It's not getting accepted as compassion. No, it's not. That will not be accepted. Why? Because God looks at that heart and that heart is, is important to him. Look, where there is a, look, where there is an unwillingness to self-sacrifice, true compassion will never show up. As long as you caught up on how it's inconveniencing you. Look at 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, for ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes. He didn't do it for his sake. He did it for our sake. To walk in true compassion means you got to do things for the sake of others. But at the expense of yourself. 
Why? That ye through his poverty might be rich. You cannot, I cannot operate in true compassion if I do not have the ability or simply do not want what is best for somebody else. As long as I want what's best for me, I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not going to measure up. You're not going to measure up. Look at first Corinthians, look at not chapter nine. And I want you to look at 18 through 22. First Corinthians chapter 9, 18 through 22. Just talking about true compassion and some things to know. And we and one of the things that for us to know is that it requires what? Sacrifice. And we thank our Lord for so handily and uh, illustrating that for us as we read in 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. But now let's move to, to, to 1 Corinthians 9, 18 through 22. And the word of God says this. What is my reward then? Huh, what about me? What am I getting out of this? Verily, that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not my power in the gospel. For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without law, as without law, being not without law to God, but under the law to Christ. That I might gain them that are without law to the weak i became to the weak became i as weak that i might gain the weak i am made all things to all men that i might by all means save some and i at verse 23 good to have that one and this i do for the gospel's sake that i might be partaker thereof with you operating in compassion not only requires the willingness to self-sacrifice to prioritize uh, our fellow man over ourselves, wanting simply only what is best for them, what is good for them, even if it is at the expense of our self. True compassion requires not only that, but it also requires right motives. And that's what we read in 1 Corinthians 9, 18 through 23, since I added that last verse onto it. Compassion that has the wrong motive. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just, I really don't want to do it. I'm just guilty. I'm just going through the motions uh, and all of these different things. Compassion that has the wrong motive. I want you to listen to this. It doesn't consider something that is extremely important. And this has been lost 
personally, I believe this has been lost on many of us believers. But that's all right. We're about to unearth it right now. We're about to dust it off. Compassion that has the wrong motive doesn't consider that every time you operate in that wrong motive, every time you walk in your fake compassion, or you operate strictly in sympathy, or you confine yourself strictly to the confines of the room of empathy, you don't go no further than that. Every time you do that, as a believer, all the while you're supposed to be a child of God. You and I, whenever we operate in those ways, all the while we're supposed to be a believer, we impact the reputation of the gospel and God Almighty. 18, he said, what is my reward? In other words, what's, what's in it for me? So in other words, he said, what's my motive? What's my motivation? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge that I abuse not my power in the gospel. Notice what he says. Notice what he is telling you. That I make the gospel of Christ without charge. That means it's without cost or payment. I don't add extra layers to it. I don't make a barrier. I don't, I don't come up with stuff and, and bring things into it that require people and make people have to jump through, through hoops. In other words, I, I don't do that. Because the gospel is shared, family, not just in what you say, but it's shared in what you do. We share the gospel in both word and deed. And one can negatively impact the other if it's done the wrong way. He says, when I preach the gospel, this is my reward, that when I'm, <laughs> that, that, I, that I make the gospel without charge, that I abuse not my power, in the gospel. What is he talking about? As believers, when we come to the Lord through the gospel, when we obey it, Jesus sets us free. That freedom confers upon us liberties, okay? We have a lot of liberties when you read the scripture that have been given to us and conferred upon us through the gospel. We're able to partake of different things because we now understand that as Jesus said, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but it is what comes out of that man that defiles him. So we have a lot of freedom in some respects to these external things. 
We're no longer slaves and under the bondage and the, the yoke of sin. But what the apostle Paul is talking about is the wise use of those freedoms so as to not stumble somebody else. Yes, I am free. Yes, I have liberties. But as Paul would say in another scripture, though all things are lawful for me, they're not all expedient. Just because I can do a thing does not mean I should do a thing. And I should decide when and when not to do a thing based on whether or not it's going to negatively impact the faith of somebody else. Not just somebody in the faith, but the potential faith. The potential for that person to have faith in God. I hope you hear what I'm saying. Philippians 2, 4 and 4 said this, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on what? The things of others. You got to be concerned. So when he says that I, that, so when he tells us that his reward is, is that when he preaches the gospel, number one, I don't bring a charge or a cost to it because the gospel is free. The message is free. So I should not be adding the yoke of religion and the bondage that is tradition onto the gospel, onto what I do. Nor should I exercise all of my liberty before those in whom I'm trying to reach. Why? So that I don't stumble those who are already in the faith and potentially roadblock those who are not, but potentially can be in the faith. Amen. Amen. So he moves on and he tells you, for though I be free from all men, and that's what he's talking about. Yet I have made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. Com true compassion requires right motives. Why? Because compassion that has the wrong motive doesn't consider that every time that as a believer, when we operate with those wrong motives, we impact the reputation of the gospel or God. In other words, we give God and his message a black eye before this world. We shame God before this world. When you do it the wrong way, your heart got to be right. You got to do it because you love, listen, if you love God, you got to love your brother and sister and you got to do it for the sake of love alone. Why? Because you love them. It doesn't require them to earn it. It doesn't require them to earn it no more than your salvation required you to earn. It, it didn't require any of that. While we were yet sinners, Christ died. 
But if you operate, call yourself operating in, in compassion, or you just simply operate in sympathy and empathy. But they never take flight. They never take legs. They never start running. They never move into that true compassion. And you so thus you start to do things for reasons that are your own. Reasons that are not in line with God Almighty. Every time you do that, operating in self-centeredness and selfishness or simply refusing to not operate at all, all the while you call yourself a believer, you negatively impact God's reputation. You make him look bad. You make his gospel look bad. You make people say, well, I mean, if they're acting like that in the church, then what need is it for me to come? They worse in there than folks are out here. Philippians 4, 12, 13, and we come into a close. We got one more scripture after this. Paul said, I know both how to be abased. And I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He said, I know how to be abased. That means I, I know how to become lower in condition. I know how to humble myself. And I know how to abound. That means I know how to operate and walk in, in, in the prosperity condition, in the prosperous condition that God's put me in. I know how to walk in the supply. In other words, I know how to, because I'm sensitive, I know how to not lord the prosperity that God has blessed me with over those when I'm in the presence of those who are going through a tough time. I know how to share in the tough time. And I'm trying to tell you that compassion makes you do that. Compassion requires you to do that. It requires you to be sensitive to what people are going through, but then not just be sensitive to it, but be motivated by it. He said, I know how to be a base. I know how to be humble. I know how to go without. I know how to push away. I know how to sacrifice. But I also know how to abound. I know how to show people 
how to walk in prosperity. There's a time and a place to walk in prosperity and to teach those lessons. He says, everywhere in all things, I am instructed to both be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. Because in the previous scripture that we gave, said, I become all things to all people that I might win some. I might gain some. I can do all things through Christ with strengthening me. This world has got people infected with the disease of selfishness. But I want to encourage you today, you got to come out of that. You cannot walk in that. And still be a child of God. It's not going to work. You have to lay your, listen. Jesus, who is king, laid aside the kingly robes and all the things that come along with it to suffer as a servant, to help the needy and the lost, the disappointed, the disturbed, frustrated, spiteful, the hateful. All of these different people. But he sacrificed what he had a right to. Jesus is king and he had a right. He had a right to stay that way. No, when I say that way, it's not, I don't mean that, that he, he stopped being king. No, 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 no. He was always king, always king. But he operated in a different role by choice, a lesser role by choice. Why? Because it was needful in order to promote and shoulder you up to help you stand when you were without strength. Finally, our scripture, 1 John. 16 through 23 says this hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren but whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion for him how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe in the name of 
of Jesus Christ and love one another as he gave us commandment. Brothers and sisters, compassion, love. It is not the exception. It is the rule. It is not optional. It is mandatory. Let us walk in the newness of life, putting into practice those things that the Lord has given us commandment. Love for real. Stop going through the motion. Let God purify your motives if you're struggling with that so that you can do it as unto the Lord. Because only what you and I do for the Lord, according to what he said, that's the only thing that's going to last. God bless you, brothers and sisters. That will conclude our lesson on the topic of biblical compassion. I hope and pray that this will bless you. When, you, when I send the link out, by all means, pass it along so that it may bless somebody else. God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday. Until next time. Wow.